Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBTQ plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I'm an alcoholic and addict, and I'm grateful for my home group for always grounding me at night before bed. As of this recording, I am 854 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. I've gotten the pleasure of getting to know him over my work with GSM, and I'm excited to get to know him even better. Welcome, Dick. Hello, hello, Steve. Yes, and why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? I am an addict and an alcoholic. I live in Ottawa, Canada. It's already getting to be autumn here. Weather is cooling down. The trees are starting to change color. And that means that my least favorite season is right around the corner. Oh, winter. I can't imagine that being fun in Canada. I'm in Florida, so winter is nice. Yeah, I used to like winter when I was younger. And as I get older, I understand now why people go to Florida for the winter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, what would you say is your favorite part of being sober today? My favorite part about being sober is being my authentic self, having found the tools to help strip away the masks that I wore for my whole life. I recently celebrated a big milestone, 10 years clean and sober. And I was, you know, it was a hard, it was hard to celebrate 10 years because so many people I know in the program are struggling so very much. And what I like most about being sober is being my authentic self. And with that comes the knowledge of self that I can share with other guys in the program. Excellent. On their journeys. That's wonderful. And uh, speaking of being your authentic self, what would you say is your favorite part of being part of the queer community today? Ah, my favorite part about being in the queer community is a being 60 and alive, since many of my peers are not, and and being sober and queer and 60. Is it again that authentic self is going to come up for the longest time? I did my best to blend in. You know, I mentioned before wearing masks, and I'm not sure if it's a function of my age or my self knowledge that's come through a lot of therapy and a lot of work in the program. I don't really care anymore what other people think of me. It's very liberating. It definitely is. I've I've been getting moments of those recently of the feeling that and it's lovely. Yeah. You know, the what other people think of me is none of my business. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, I really don't care what you think of me. And, you know, I wear a beard and I wear long fingernails and At times, I grow a really big handlebar mustache, and I love the contradiction between the two. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that, too. Well, why don't we jump into it then with, why don't you share a little bit about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like? Mm -hmm. Sure. I grew up in a kind of a tumultuous house. We, my dad was in the military, and we moved around a lot, so I was always 
the new kid and learned at a very early age to hide my feelings, to do whatever I needed to do to get along, to not make waves. I had my first drink when I was probably nine or ten. It was back in the back in the early 70s, and there was a lot of drinking going on, at least in my house. And my, par- my parents asked me to make them cocktails. So I did. And then I made myself one. And it seemed like the most natural thing in the world to do. I continued, I continued with alcohol through my teens. I would, you know, do those horrific binge drinking things. And my, my high school buddies got me a cup. A, a twisted mug that had I got smashed at 2001. We had all gone down to the big. I don't even know what the screen was called. Hey, it was one of the very first gigantic screens, and we watched 2001: The Space Oddity. And a lot of my friends in high school were Italian, and they all grabbed a bottle of their dad's homemade wine, and I drank more than my fair share of it. And that was, I think, the first time I really did something foolish. Um, lots of escapades along the way. Ended up at uh, university. Somehow managed to get a degree. It took me much longer than my peers, about a year and a half longer. Because when you when you don't go to class for weeks on end, it's hard to get a passing grade. And I remember one time I was in the big lecture hall. It was calculus. And I had no idea what the professor was talking about. And I was horribly hungover and probably still a bit high from the night before. And I just packed up my notebooks and, and walked this long staircase to the to the door. And the and the prof sort of said, and that person is going to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and needless to say, I failed. Yeah. Well, but it did give me an opportunity to take the course again and to take the course again. And finally, I got a prof who was this very old South African gentleman. And he took a very no-nonsense approach to calculus. He's like, you're taking beginner calculus. I don't care what you think. I'm here to teach you the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I followed the, I followed his suggestion and I got an A. Uh, so looking back, that was probably the first time I took suggestion and something good came from it. <laughs> Lots of craziness along the way. Fell in love. And then my partner, this was back in the late 80s, early 90s, and he died of HIV AIDS on New Year's Day, 1992. And here I was in my, my late 20s and had no, no tools to deal with that grief. And so I just, you know, poured myself into alcohol and cocaine and stayed there for a couple of years. And uh, a friend of mine who was in recovery was she gave me some harsh words and I ignored them for a time. And one day I just woke up on the floor and, you know, a pile of, I was a, I was a mess on the floor and I said, okay, that's it. That's enough. 
and I quit cold turkey then. That was it was in June of '93, I think. Anyhow, and and I stayed I stayed sober, or rather, I didn't drink and I didn't use drugs, and that lasted for 15 years. And I, there was no way I was going to admit that I was an alcoholic or a drug addict. Um, so I just poured all those uh, addictive behaviors and that that I filled that hole that I filled to drugs and alcohol into sports and sex and relationships for 15 years. Did all sorts of crazy extreme sports and, you know, lots of lots of crazy sexual adventures and somehow managed to survive all that and eventually met a couple of other guys along the way, relationships based on what they could give me. So I became what I thought they wanted me to be, to, to have that, you know, to have that. And the man who's currently my husband is a, well, I, I'm going to say was, because he's in a nursing home right now. He has advanced dementia. So he was a very gregarious French Canadian man. He he was my like dream catch. This handsome, rugged, muscular ex cop spy. He was he was everything. And so I thought a glass of wine wouldn't hurt. How many times have we heard something like that? Yeah. And within a week of having that glass of wine, I was drinking gin from the freezer. And pretty much stayed drunk and blacked out for five years until I almost lost my job, almost lost my relationship, my home. Um, I was given an ultimatum to do something or leave, like right then and there on the spot, like just get up and get out of the house. So I thought, okay, I like where I'm at, so I'm going to do something and Back then, the AA website had a, uh, still had 20 questions, so the math was easy, and I got 95% on the, <laughs> do you have a problem with drinking quits? <laughs> Found my way to a big downtown meeting and scared the shit out of me. There's no way I was going to go pick up a white chip, so I lurked around the table after the meeting and palmed one off, and when I got home, it fell out of my pocket, and my dog promptly ate it. <laughs> and uh, went to another meeting that became my home group for many years and walked down the church basement stairs and there was this big construction worker guy who saw this scared scared guy walking down the stairs and he just kind of like swooped me up and told me it was going to be okay made me sit at the front made me stand up and pick up a white chip which i still have <laughs> not eaten by the dog mm -hmm. and that began my journey and that was 10 years ago awesome and what tools did you use in that early recovery to help keep you sober in those early days i got a ton of numbers people kept giving me their numbers and they said call me call me call me and i was i was desperate enough to call them I'll, you know, some some people don't have that gift of desperation when they first come in, and uh, I've noticed that those are the those are the guys who tend to go out and come back and go out and come back 
and hopefully they get that gift of desperation and use those phone numbers because um, that really helped me. I went to a million meetings and I made a million phone calls and texted and kept myself focused on recovery. I went to work. I went to meetings. That's all I did. And in between, I was in touch with people in the program. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of those basics still hold true today, but how would you say recovery uh, has changed over the past decade with, you know, living through COVID and the age of Zoom? Like what, what's different today now? I still prefer in-person meetings. When When COVID happened and we were all locked in our houses, desperately missed human contact. The simple touch of a hand on your shoulder or a handshake or a hug. And like many people got into a really dark place. And uh, if it wasn't for Zoom, I, I would probably have gone out. Um, I, I lost my connection to, to my peeps. Yeah. And speaking of connection, how has Gay and Sober, which is the organization that we met through with my work with GSM, how has that impacted your recovery? I'm going to sound like the biggest GSM cheerleader. I discovered them and joined the little Facebook group and was really active in that. And it was during time when my husband was still living at home and needed a lot of care and so the the gsm and and i had i wasn't able to get to meetings and zoom hadn't happened yet so the gsm facebook group was really my my recovery and they were starting to talk about the the conference and i was like oh there's no way i can organize care for him and go to new york that's just not possible but I did decide, because I hadn't paid attention early enough, that the conference was happening. And I decided that no matter what, the next year I would be there. And in the fullness of time, I had to make some really difficult decisions. I had to, you know, use that power of attorney and sign those papers to put my husband into long-term care against his will because I couldn't look after him anymore. And at that point he needed, he needed 24 hour, you know, professional care to look after him. And he was a very, he was one of those uh, dementia patients who did not want help from anybody. He was one of those angry, violent dementia patients. Mm -hmm. So by the time I had to, put him in care, I was able to go to, I was able to sign up and make my hotel arrangements and all that stuff. And I was scared out of my mind because I had never gone anywhere alone. Yeah. I traveled from A to B by myself, knowing that there was someone at B to meet me. But that trip to New York was my first trip by myself. <clears throat> and got to the hotel and uh, was just swooped up in in the excitement of it 
And you know, GSM has a philosophy of you know pretty much no one left behind. No one is going to be alone. <clears throat> and that was really true. I arrived there not knowing a soul and left that left that conference with people in my people who are still in my life today, people I'm still in touch with like on a regular basis. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know how hard it can be because I spent the last 10 years working in senior living in memory care communities. And like, I see how hard that can be and being able to, after going through something like that, like find, find this like whole new kind of family or brotherhood. What would you say was your favorite theme of all the past GSMs that you've been to? Oh, I think I'm going to have to say rocketed. Yeah. When I when I saw that announcement, I scratched my head because I'm like, rocketed. What the fuck is this? And and then someone pointed out in the book book on those parts that you read over really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> what it's all about. And it really was. And you know, every time I go to a gay and sober men's conference, I meet more people who who become really important in my life from all over Canada and the United States and, you know, a couple of people across large bodies of water. Yeah. Uh, Rocketed was a really special one for me. Um, and I, and I had the opportunity over the years to, to do a lot of service for GSM and it was GSM going to the conference, getting that sort of annual injection of supercharged recovery it was a JSM that I learned that I could be friends with gay men and not have ulterior motives to use them for whatever, you know, use them financially, emotionally, sexually. I could be myself and people would like me back and become friends with them. Yeah, my first GSM, it was very much my first vacation on my own where I wasn't traveling with like a partner or a boyfriend or a friend or meeting someone there that would take care of me while I was there. And it, it's been so welcoming. I'm so happy to have found that. Um, one of the things or ways that you keep in touch with a lot of the people that you know is by sending your morning lavender light readings. How, how did that come <laughs> yeah, into play and how has that played a role in your recovery? And touched other people? I, you know what? I honestly can't remember where I came across lavender light. I don't remember where I came, where I was introduced to it, but I do remember that it had a profound effect on me. And so I scoured the internet and there were no electronic copies of it anywhere and found, found that you could order it on Amazon from one of those on-demand printers. And so I placed my order and I guess they were waiting for the right number of orders to come in and got my copy and decided that my recovery project that year would be to start my day with the lavender light reflections by retyping the book. So I, I every day my my morning ritual was to retype the reflection for the day and I put my own little thought at the end of it. Sometimes I and so and I posted it in gay and sober and then i started posting it in gay and sober single men and sending it to a few friends and now i posted in 
eight or ten gay recovery groups and send it out to about 40 odd people every morning that's awesome and it, it keeps and it's one way for me to stay in touch with people i ran into my old sponsor the other night and he's like I just love getting those lavender lights from you in the morning. I look forward to them every day. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I've once or, once or twice this past quarter I've borrowed them for my topic nights, for my <laughs> meetings, and like even like the people that aren't like gay and like in the meeting are like, I love that. Where did it come from? And I'm like, I, I, I send them the link. So I'm sure that they're getting more orders now. That people are. You know, because it's, it's amazing because yeah. I know like other friends that also shared like little bits of piece of literature, but it's funny because like you'll send it to the number of people you send it to. But like so many of us, I'm sure then like send it to more people. And yeah. it just is amazing how recovery works like best when you share it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it definitely is best when you share it. And, and thank you for uh, letting me know that you pass it along. I've heard a couple of other people pass it along. Yeah. And uh you know, I'm, I'm really, it, it makes me feel happy that these reflections written in a very different time, a lot of the, a lot of the topics are very much of the 80s, and they still ring true. The language might be a bit dated. It's you know, it was like reading the big book. Some of the language is dated. I was just thinking, I mean, true. I'm sure if there's a group of us that can re- like understand relating to a book that's older than dirt, it's a group of alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And what are one or two personal things you're looking forward to or working on? What am I working on? Um, right now, my sponsor and I are working on like getting redoing step 11 he's introduced me to a a way of morning meditation and reflection called two-way prayer i don't know if you heard about that no what is that it's you know you you start your day very much like we're suggested to do with reading you know reading some passage that's meaningful to you and thinking about it and this takes that one two steps further where you you pray on it to your higher power and then the two-way part is you stream of consciousness write whatever comes into your mind and the idea being that that is your higher power coming through you onto the page that's awesome uh, it's 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 a very very it's a really cool experience Sometimes I hear my own voice coming out and sometimes I hear, oh, that, that, that definitely is from HP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not what I would have put down there. Yeah. I love that. I'll have to try that sometime. I know that's probably bedtime. And the other night I watched the red door where insidious, the new insidious scare horror movie where he went into a meditative trance and started doing art and like unleashed a gate to like the hell dimensions. So maybe <laughs> writing the words will be a little safer than that. <laughs> and out of all the different readings and quotes and things that we hear out and about that help motivate us, what's one of your favorite sayings that help keep you sober one of my favorite sayings uh, well there's a, there's a few of them there's you know the rapacious creditor mm-hmm. 
always gets me. I, I giggle and I laugh at it from a point of knowing that it's, it's true. Alcohol now become the rapacious creditor, cunning, baffling, powerful. Uh, one I throw back at my responses all the time is, count how many times honesty is in the uh, big book. <laughs> it, it's there a bit. Yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. E- even now, my husband being a normie, like, they're... He, what I've learned in the senior living, we call them like the therapeutic fibs, but like things that like he'll have us lie to his parents about to like save them. Cause it's like stuff that doesn't go, it's not going to bother them. It would just upset them more. But I'm just like, don't like, don't make me lie. Like he knows now. Don't make me lie. I was like, I won't be the liar. Like it's already bad enough. They have to be complicit sometimes when he's like, well, we have to go because of this appointment. And I'm like, what appointment? And he glares at me and I'm like, Oh, okay. That appointment. Oh, that appointment. Yeah. (laughs) But no longer am I, I'm like, I can't be the one to, to fake it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I have a, I have a, so in, in the complicated world we live in, I have a partner and a husband, and he's a normie, and uh, he doesn't always understand why I can't go along with those little white lies. Yeah. <laughs> or, I, or I have a hard time going along with those white lies. Yeah, I definitely can relate. Excellent. And if someone listening wanted to get in touch with you, thank you, maybe ask for those morning readings, How what would be the best way for them to find you? They can find me on the Gay and Sober Facebook page, or I'm, I'm on Facebook. I have a public profile, Dick Gunstone. There's a, there's a couple of Dick Gunstones, but I'm the only one in Ottawa, Canada. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'll make sure to link over to your stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dick, for coming on. It was a pleasure getting to know you better. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And stick around, listeners, and head on over to our Patreon page if you'd like to hear Dick and I talk some more while we spin the post-show topic wheel. But in the meantime, make sure you follow us wherever you're listening right now so you can get these new episodes and they come out every Thursday. And if you have a friend or fellow who might enjoy listening, tell them about it. Until that time, stay sober, friends.